This is a test of the Bounty Park Alert System. Howdy y'all and welcome to this week's episode of the Bounty Park <laughs> Alert System with me, Matt Dean. I've been in America and you couldn't tell. How's it going, lads? Welcome, welcome. I've backed off my holiday. Uh, don't worry, I haven't gone all weird. Well, weirder. Had a good time. Uh, it was well handled. I thought the pod last week, gents, well done. I enjoyed listening to that on the way back from my trip. You know, you've got to fill a lot of time, haven't you? So I thought I'd have a listen. Dave Bradley speaking some sense, I thought, last week, which was a little bit weird. Are you all right, Dave? Just Very generally. Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bracket broadly fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you seem to have been coming back round to a bit more of reality uh, there, which I was impressed by. Well, you know, it's about time, isn't it? <laughs> All right, Andy. Your introductions get weirder and weirder, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got to keep you got to keep yourself interested, up. You never mind the listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, I know I'm a liability. I know. I, I, uh, I was uh, the last week or two for you, Andy. Any anything anything interesting happen? Uh, you put me on the spot there. What in, in life in general or last? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in general, yeah. I mean, we've obviously had the Latics, the, the cup exploits, which we can talk about in a little bit. But uh, anything else going on? I mean, I've noticed since uh, since I left that the, there's now going to be another prime minister. So it's all going it. Uh, you know, in this country, a bit weird. Well, I, um, I wonder if I wonder if Dave will get to vote on this one. Yeah, uh, maybe. Oh, Maybe. We should all get to vote on the next one, shouldn't we? I think. <laughs> I, I was I was checking my bags in um, at the airport, and uh, this lovely lovely lady called Cheryl. She was like, "Are you from the UK?" And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like pitying me, an American pitying me on the state of what was going on in in the UK. And it was like, "Yeah, okay, fair enough." So anyway, we've got football, haven't we, to keep us distracted from political stuff. Um, We've had our plenty of our own political issues at Latics, but hopefully that is uh, is is now on the way. And, and, and our guest this week actually has got a history of uh, being involved in some of the political issues of Latics in the past. So give us the uh, give us the intro, and then uh, we'll find out who this week's fan guest is, Andy. This week's fan guest, his first ever Latics game was the 1990 FA Cup semi final against Man United that finished three all. <laughs> <laughs> what a game! <laughs> we, we had we had one the other week. It, 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 oh yeah, it was um, it was David Eames's first game. Was was the quarter final in '94? You're like crying out loud! What a game yeah. that is! My my lad, my lad's first four games. Uh, he, 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 we didn't score in the first three of them. <laughs> anyway, um, this week's fun guest. His uh, first favorite player was Gunnar Haller, and his overall favorite is David Ayres. His favourite memory um, is Gary McDonald's goal at Everton, because the whole week leading up to that uh, FA Cup tie was was pretty exciting. I, rem- I remember how I felt during that as well. Um, and then a, a surprising fact about himself: he's represented Latics twice on TV, once on Soccer AM uh, before, and then once before the ill-fated ITV Digital Channel, a sports quiz called. Do I not know that? I don't remember that. Um, and he missed the final by one point, and the winners didn't get their prize because ITV Digital went bust shortly after. <laughs> that to me sounds like we could be in with a contender for uh, for the Latics Mind crowd crown here. I haven't heard the, uh, the thing yet, by the way. So no. I don't know. Well, well, he's shaking his head. Anyway, who have we got this week, Andy? We've got Ross Coyne. Welcome, Welcome Ross. Ross. This is your Hello, debut. Ross. Is debut? Is it, Ross? Yeah, avid listener. When I'm uh, washing the pots late at night, I uh, <laughs> put my earphones in and just laugh away at you lot. You'll be part of this weekly laughing stock this week. You're very welcome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember much about that uh, that game, in my first game. It's a shame, I was only a nine-year-old boy there. Uh, that United, Oldham 3-3. I, I, the only thing I remember is Marshall... Uh, you know, he, he bagged to take it to extra time. I was behind the goal, and uh, I think that's about it that I remember. I was too young. 
I don't remember but, much of it either. I don't remember much of it. But yeah, I remember the occasion though. I remember like how amazing it was. I don't remember much of the game. Yeah, I was a lucky boy. You obviously got took to that and then got took to Wembley. They were my first two games. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it kind of cemented uh, the love for the club because I, I, I always call myself an adopted Oldhamer because I'm not from Oldham. Mm. So from over the same side away. So, but my dad worked up there and uh, yeah, I think that cemented the love for the club. Though. Call me glory hunter if you want. No, no, because if you're still here now, you're definitely not a glory hunter, are you? So, and you were involved, I'll mention the political thing, you were involved, was it Was it Stop the Rot and, and that era? Or Yeah, I was kind of the back end of Stop the Rot. That was in full swing. Um, so we had a, the, the red card protest in the Chaddy end after, I think it was the Easter Monday game. And um, yeah, that, that was in full swing. And then Safe, uh, Secure Athletics Future Existence kind of, it rolled into that then when uh, Leeses obviously went, stopped, did his infamous Manchester North End. Uh, and I think he fell on his sword then. And um, and then it was uh, Briley, David Briley and Alan Hardy that, that was running the club. And um, it was just that same stuck in away mentality of we've got to do all we can to survive. And that's where the ground got sold to the council. Um just to keep us afloat and yeah it was trying to exactly that safe secure athletic future existence and then chris moore rolled into town and we thought oh here we go you know this guy could be uh could be the answer to all our prayers here we go back to the top and sadly not um there were red flags with chris moore unfortunately and the, the thing is after being part of of a group like safe and stop the rot is you've got to try and stay relevant people want to you know, shoot arrows at you then, and um, you know what? What do you need to be here for now? Everything's okay, and it, it's not always the case that, uh, and that's what we found with Chris Moore. Yeah, and 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 you know that that it's it's tapping into that collective knowledge in it and and history and learning from it and trying to make sure that we've you know we do have examples of you know people trying to get involved and change things uh, in the past, and then like you said, things looking good potentially, but you know, even now, like things look good, but we have to be vigilant, don't we? Um, yeah. Constantly, I think that that safe, you know, safeguarding Latics' future, it's it's never going to be not relevant, is it? We always have to keep our uh, our eyes on it. Yeah, you look at you know Brentford and, and what they've done and and uh, Luton. You know, there'll always be an element at that club now that will always be bringing these things to light and. That's where we're at, hopefully, you know, yeah, things like that. Um, you know, small things are happening and, and it's it's going to take time. Uh, I mean, I, I'm obviously infamous for giving uh, the Lemsigans a bit longer than uh, most people did. Um, I think after the, the show that Corny was, you you kind of put faith and hope that this, this is the sort of people that can turn it around. But there were early warning signs there as well. Um, but yeah, it, uh, well, it descended into fast quite quickly in the end, didn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. And look, we all have different views. I mean, we all come at things with our own experience, don't we? And our own views. And some of us are naturally more uh, optimistic than others. Some more pessimistic. Um, so it's just really, I think, just a case of looking at the facts in it, trying to stick as close to the facts as possible, rather than sort of putting your own kind of prejudices whether they be positive or negative onto things and and you know i think you know we, we've had these discussions now it, over the last few weeks haven't we about whether the glasses are half empty or gla uh, half full um i think one thing that we're all absolutely delighted about is the fact that we won yesterday's game what, what an absolutely dreadful game of football it was but i don't care i really do not care i hope the next two uh this week uh alteringham and halifax are dreadful and we win both of those and all i really don't care um great to get off the uh off the mark under runsworth um first win um what 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 did we uh what did we all make of the game is there much to talk about with the game or is it just, <laughs> it's just a dreadful one wasn't it? It, 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 it the first half felt like three hours long didn't it it was so poor in quality um our, our goal in the first half it was like 
it's one of the worst goals I've ever seen. But I take it. Yeah, I think it's two deflections, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was it was just it was just the same old Latic score early and then sit back and Yorval was a really poor side. Yeah. You know, they, they had nothing in the final third. They they looked good in the midfield, but yeah, it was that first half felt like a like three hours long. It was, it was like, as soon as the half time whistle, it was like, thank God for that. It was they so were, bad. They were poor, but I mean, they could have scored, couldn't they? They had some good chances. Yeah. Like, they definitely should have had a penalty from what I saw for an handball. Mm, yeah. Um, and Norman made a brilliant save, really good yeah. save. Should we listen to you spoke to the to Mr. Unsworth, Dave, yesterday? So let's have a let's have, see what he made of it. David, your first home win, how does it feel? Yeah, it feels great. It feels great. I'm delighted for the players. They thoroughly deserved it. Frustrating, you know, for, at times where you just want a bit more quality, but effort and hard work and work rate, you can't fault them. In the first half, I saw you on the touchline, you were getting quite animated at points, weren't you? Although we scored the first goal, what were you saying to the players there? Just just take care, you know, just take care with, with a pass. And it's like a panic seems to set in it occasionally. And, um, I want us to play, but I don't want us to play with any fear. And there's times when I've, I'm looking at a totally different player sometimes that I see every day in training. And I suppose that's you know the environment that we're in and the fact that you know we're playing at this level. It's you know the the inconsistency of it is is um, is the biggest thing for me to try and iron out because there's 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 quality there, and then they've got the players have got a, a togetherness and they keep going and. So that's brilliant. So you know, there's, 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 I've played in teams and looked at teams, and they haven't had that togetherness. We just um, we just need to find the best formula, the best way of playing to suit our group of players. And um, we're not there yet. We're nowhere near where I want us to be. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start with winning at Chester, and, you know, by penalties and keeping a clean sheet today, and you know, getting a second goal. So they're all they're all little wins that, that contribute to to going on and run. In terms of some some parts of the game, Yeovil missed a few guilt-edged chances, yeah, didn't they? they? You know, in terms of they were putting the pressure on. How did you feel when that second goal went? Well, it, it's deja vu. Is how I felt. It's it's we we allow teams onto us. You know, we score, we get, we come out of the traps. We we score a good goal. We get opportunities, and then for some reason, I don't know, I might swap swap us round, and we might just attack the other end for for you know, I don't know, little things like that. You just never know psychologically, you know. We fell out at half time, and and we, you know, I tried something different at half time just to try and get a different reaction out of them. But I don't want to be doing that, you know. I want to be, be helping the players as much as I can. And um, but no, listen, it's a great win. Um, delight for the players, and uh, we roll on now to Tuesday. In terms of the in the in the second half, you switched to a four four two. Did you see that? Did you see the share improve the team a little bit, putting Shearer in midfield? No, that was forced. That was forced, you know. Obviously, um, the changes that we've had to make today are, fo- uh, are forced. So that was just getting the right people in in the right shape of, of what we've got available. So, you know, we have got a few injuries and we have had a lot of injuries. So you know, we need we need a little bit of help in terms of maybe bringing two or three in. And we've got three games now against Halifax, Altrincham, and Gates. Everywhere in and around us, what are you expecting from those games? Well, three wins. What well, I wanted to win. You know, that, that's him. <laughs> You know, that's my job as manager, you know, anything else and I'll be disappointed. I'll always back the players when they give, you know, the, the desire and the commitment and you can't win every game, but we, we, we try to win every game and uh, we'll certainly be looking for maximum points and and we've got to, um, you know, we've got to stay together and keep going. I think there's credit got to be given to Lewis Maynard at, at the back, you, you know, he's come in and yeah. played considerably well and, you yeah. know, and also that fantastic save by Magnus Norman tipping it onto the post in the last minute. Yeah. You know, you've got to take credit for that clean sheet. But they're good players. They're good players, but the players that just need help and confidence and support and the occasional relicant at half time. <laughs> Thanks very much, Dave. Right, Congratulations. What do you make of that, Ross? Do you fair enough? Yeah, I think psychology, I think he's mentioned there, I think that's the big thing about it. Um, these players, they, you know, people say that we, we sit off and that after we score, and it's like there's a psychological switch that clicks on them. They just don't. They don't go in for the tackles the same. They don't put the pressure on the same. Movement's not there. Um, I listened to his uh, interview with the official site as well, and he was talking about um, he had to have a right go at half time. He, he really got stuck into him by the sound of it. I think he, I think he had a few words to respond up as well. Um, and while <laughs> we weren't brilliant in the second half either. We didn't see an onslaught from the opposition like we've seen a few times after half time. Um, so maybe 
you know, that, that's these little sort of things that are, are creeping in now that, that he's trying to instill in the players. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter, does it, as long as you start to win? Because the confidence thing, you talk about psychology, it's, it's, it helps massively. I mean, so yesterday, did you see the game, Torquay v Altrincham? It was on BT. I didn't I didn't catch up, but it ended up 4 all with like all yeah. sorts of incidents in the last minute. Altrincham, long trip down to Torquay, massive effort coming away with a point, but should have been all three, really. Um, we've got games now that we, we, we play uh, Halifax, Altrincham and Gateshead who were all below us, I think. Uh, or maybe Altrincham were a point ahead, I'm not sure. But we're all all in and around us. Uh, and we're still only seven points off the playoffs, Andy. So, you know, like all your energy, you know, we could be, you know, we could, we could if we could string a few results together, be up, you know, near that end of the table rather down the bottom of the table. Um, what? <laughs> I'll come in on that invitation. I was just trying, I was just going to let him bluster yeah. out with his, with his <laughs> and then and then I was going to reply to it. I mean, it, you get obviously, I, did, I didn't go yesterday, so I've been, you know, you guys are talking about the game. I'm just listening. I listened to it on the radio. I actually listened to it on like uh, on carrot crunching radio. <laughs> the, these these Yeovil commentators, you, you'd have thought <laughs> we were playing uh, Real Madrid yesterday and they were all over us the way they were setting it up. But, Anyway, I got a text that said as much. Uh, they were saying that, well, they were saying that Yeovil were that poor that made us look like Barcelona or the best team in the world or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. They must have seen very good football down there because we certainly didn't look that good. No. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I look, I mean, I've been on social media and I look at the reaction and, and you get the, it does, I was laughing to myself with some people going, look, we're only seven points off the players. Like, fuck you now. We've won a game and they're off. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the same vein, in the same vein as some of the people that we speak, we've been trying to speak to are saying, oh, it's terrible. You know, the, what are the owners doing? We're going to get relegated. <laughs> Neither of these two things are going to happen, in my opinion. We are not going to go up. We are not going to go down. It's going to be a pretty dull and boring and awful season. And we're going to finish somewhere between 12th and 17th in this league. Right? We'll go, we won't win the next well, three games. Someone will take points off us somewhere. We'll probably lose one of them. It'll be really annoying. We're going to end up, we'll still get beat here and there off Wheelstone and Bromley and Woking and all these absolute dive of places in non league. And we're just going to have to roll with it and chill out because. Next season will be entirely different. There'll be so much turnover of staff, um, in terms of playing staff, that is, and we will see the team begin to, to to turn from that point. And and you know the the owners and and the, and the coaching team and, and the board directors, they're, they're trying to sign players. Like I've seen I've seen a few messages from people saying, you know, are we? But they still haven't signed anyone yet. They haven't signed anyone because. Players in the football league don't want to drop into non-league yet, and the better players in non-league are hanging on to see if a league club will come and take them in January. So we're going to have to wait for January to make the wheels turn in terms of in terms of movement in the market. And even though we're not sort of beholden to that because we're a, a non-league team, by the time January comes, hopefully we'll see a, a few people move, and people's salary expectations might be a little bit more realistic than they currently are. And then, then we'll start to see things improve. So it's just we're just going to have to deal with it. We won't go up. We won't go down. Do you agree That's with it. that, Ross? I've got to take you to task on that twelve to seventeenth because that isn't that's that's not good. I mean, I, I'm I would say I'm a consolidation person, the, the dirty word for this season. But <laughs> I think we definitely need to be looking at a top half finish. I think this is a stigma that's with the club now. Was it 12, 13 seasons we've not had a top half finish? Yeah, um, it, it might be dull, it might be boring, but somehow we've got to claw, claw ourselves into a top half. We've got to be looking at getting, I don't know, four or five players, two or three really good signings out of that because you, you can say 50% of signings don't always work how you want in turn. Um, and January onwards, you know, uh, Darren and Frank have got to be saying, well, we do need to be showing a bit of intent and in moving up this league this season because... Uh, there's two things in play, you know. We we've not had. I think the last time we had, we had a, a half decent crowd was probably under uh, Lee Johnson's se season when we looked like we might be progressing up the table and maybe a playoffs in there. 
And uh, then you've got to go back to obviously Chez's first in and, and times like that for, for a decent crowd. We've got them here. We've got them now. The hardest thing to do at any football club is get them in. It's very easy to lose them. And I, I don't think we can do this bumping along to 12th to 17th. Um, I, I really think that and it's, it's a really poor thing to say, but for a season, we've got to be getting a top half finish this season. I, I just feel that's what we've got to do. I think. I think. I mean. I think a top half finish this season is is highly likely. I think. We, I think we we care. I think we we can we can be capable of it. I think we've got a manager who obviously he wants to get promoted this season. There's no doubt about that. Where he'll obviously be realistic in his own mind about what's possible. But the, you know, he's trying to change the mentality. He's got to be a winning mentality, and you know, that's that's great. That's what we want. Uh, obviously, the club would like us to challenge for the playoffs this season. Everybody would love that. Everybody would love that. And I think that I think that. Like you said, Andy, the, the squad's going to be very different towards the end of the season. And and you never know. It's not a great league, is it? We've seen it. Like As long as you're in, you know, we say, oh, it's only seven points off the playoffs. When you've, you know, it's not been a great start. We've lost six, drawn four, won four, and we're still only seven points off the playoffs. So, you know, if we can get a good, if we can stay in touch and get a good run towards the end, we might do. And that would be great, you know. But I think, I think it's about expectations. It's just like... Not expecting us to go up and hoping that something good happens and, and we start to see progress as we move forward. You talked about signings there. What what did you make of um, the lad Carty, Dave, who came on? I thought he played well when he came on. Uh, I liked him a lot. He really, he, well, he sort of said to me he used to play Gaelic football, but, you know, when he was younger. And you could tell he were putting it about. And he, he, he weren't like, you know, these, you know, you see these youth players like, no, not just but to Wellings, where he was a bit scared of the, the bigger tackle. He was getting proper stuck in. He was getting, you know, the, and that defender was like another foot taller than him, and he, and he was pulling him all over the place. He, he should have scored the second goal, really, but his yeah, touch he let him down, and he was, <laughs> he was, de- he was devastated. Uh, well, he still, he was still an assist, wasn't it? I suppose. Yeah, no, but don't get me wrong, yeah, but I think well, he should finish it. Because he was down our end, Dave, in front of the goal, you could see his build, and he had the shoulders, didn't he? That mm. that sort of upper body, sort of neck, shoulder strength, and and having lived in Ireland for ten years, I can tell you that Gaelic football lads. Whenever they played football, with they are so fit and so strong, yeah. and they will run and run because that game Gaelic, Gaelic football and um, hurling it doesn't stop and it's very no. very physical. And any any lad who's gone through um, training and, and and played at Gaelic football will be absolutely fit as a fiddle. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought he was good. I liked him. I did like him a lot, uh, and he nearly scored as well. He was so lucky when he just when he just bent it around the far post when, yeah. he, when he had that shot. So he's got, he's got, he's got a bit of quality as well. So you know, I know it's a month you... long, but I think I think it's like a month. And hopefully, if he gets if he, he starts playing well, I think they'll they'll get him till January or till the end of the season. Hopefully. So for me, um, really, he's got he's got to play him. I think on Tuesday, uh, Alty, mm-hmm. and just say go on for him and Fond up up top and and have a go. Four, 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 four two. How many times? You, you before we before we come on to the week that was, we we, we talk about Chester and 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 where we're at and the cup and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let's have a listen to what the fans made of just before yesterday's game in the fan zone. Fan zone. Hi, I'm just David. What's your name, please, pal? Ben. How you doing? What do you think? We'll, how do you think we'll get on today? I think we'll win two one. And how do you think the recent performances have been under Unsworth? Are you impressed or you, do you think there's still a lot of work to do? I don't like five at the back. I think playing at home, I think we should be playing a bit more a bit more attacking football, but, you know, time will tell, I guess, won't it? And what do you think of the new signing, Conor Carty? Do you think it's uh, welcome news? Yeah, I mean, he said he plays off the shoulder, so a bit of pace up front, you know, doesn't hurt, does it? Especially with Fondop and him up front, you know. I guess we'll, we'll see, won't we? So if you, if, you were, if you were doing the tactics, what would you play at home? I don't know. I mean, I played maybe two old in, old in midfielders and three three attacking midfielders and a striker. I don't, I don't know. But I think we should be going for a bit more than, than sitting at five at the back and then take the lead and then sit back for the rest of the game, don't we? So it's a bit of a... I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But So, 2-1 then. Who's going to score? I think Tollett and Fondop. Magic Mike Fondop. Cheers, Ben. Thanks very much. Cheers. I'm just staying with, what's your name please pal? I'm Chris. So what do you think about this season so far Chris? A bit up and down really, uh, consolidation is really what we wanted but I think we've probably all hope for a bit more. Yeah. 
How do you think Huns was done? It's done. Um, you expect a little bit of a bounce when a new manager comes in, and we haven't had that, have we? But in saying that, he's you know he's he's had to work what he's what he's got, um, yeah. and, and and that's that's basically it. Injuries haven't helped him, have they? So I think you have to judge people or judge managers on. Um, on their own players and I don't think he's kind of got his own players he's tried to get them in and uh, I think that what he's tried to do is looking for league players which I think if you want to progress you've got to get league players in um, it's hard to get them when you're non-league club it's hard to get them well we're unbeaten in four yeah. so it's a positive isn't it we just need, he just really needs that win doesn't he we need, yeah we need a win we need a win I know we won at Chester but some say it wasn't the win but um Hopefully, we'll get a win today and uh, it'll kick, kick starters. And we do need to consolidate, don't we? It's that season where, you know, expectations, you know, are... What score do you think it'll be today, mate? Um, I think we'll win 2-0. Who's going to score? Fondop in form, isn't he? Fondop, maybe Tollett as well. Then two. Yeah. yeah, they are both in form, aren't they? And they've been, you know, it seems... What do you, do you think, uh, Connor Carty? Are you excited to see him? Yeah, uh, heard some things on the bottom... Yeah, I believe he plays off the shoulder, so he might suit the game that's with right, Bond yeah, up. That's so. right, yeah. A little bit of yeah, a target man and, and somebody to lay it off to and hopefully, yeah, score a couple. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Hi, I'm just here. What's your name, please, pal? It's Bob. And where have you come from today, Bob? Oh, Derbyshire, Chesterfield. And you come to every home game, do you? I do. Not at Chesterfield, though. Spy rights. <laughs> to so, them, yeah. Yeah. So, how do you think the team's been performing this season? Absolutely awful. And I'm fed up with the excuses as well because I was just saying to Ben, um, the squad we've got, even with the injuries, they're absolutely as good as most other National League teams. So there's something else going on and there's no excuses. In terms of Unsworth coming in after Sheridan, have you been impressed by his uh, sort of different approach compared to Shez? Um, Not really, no. I heard his uh, pre-match interview yesterday, or I read it, and right at the end, he said, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long, long time. And that nearly put me off coming today. So I don't want to hear things like that. I want to hear positive. Um, And there's no reason that team can't go out uh, and win almost every game. They're as good as the others, if not better. Um, Talking about fitness... It seems to be excuses all the time, not having it. Would you not rather him be honest, though, saying that there are problems there? He can't obviously go into it, but he's actually saying this is going to take a long time for him to turn it round because, it, you know, or if he says we're going to win every week and then we don't, he's sort of in a lose-lose well, situation, yeah. isn't he? Obviously, they're never going to win every, every week, but um, there's, there seems to be more excuses in interviews than positives. That's, that's my point. I just want some more positive vibes because if they're giving negatives to us through through the press, then surely that's 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 going to go into the dressing room as well. All right, so a bit of positivity then. What score is it going to be today? 3-1 to Oldham. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Danny Fair, brother. How are you getting on, mate? You all right? Yeah, not bad, mate. What do you think we'll get out of it? We'll get on today. 2-0 uh, win. 2-0. Who's going to score? Fondop, obviously. And uh, I think Porter, if he plays. Yeah, I bet Unser's dying for his first win in here now because yeah, we're still four unbeaten, but we're just desperate for that home win, aren't we? Do you think it'll kick us on if we get it? I'm dying for um, Unser's first first win more than he is. Uh, I think if we get a win today, I think we'll kick on and uh, move up. We've got a few good games coming up, so yeah, I think we'll do it. Are you going to Altrincham on Tuesday? I am now, uh, working at home next week, so I'm going to Altrincham, Halifax. Both of them. Yeah, so it'll be a decent decent running now. So if we can get a win against Altrincham, a win today, sorry, win against Altrincham, win against Halifax, win against Gateshead, we'll be up there, won't we? Playoffs, mate, I've said all along. So is that what you think we'll get? Yeah, I think we will do, yeah. And what do you think about Conor Carty being signed? Never heard of him. Fuck no, it's not a clue. But if he scores and he does a business, then I'll like him. And what do you think what do you think of the shape today? What do you think they should be playing? 4-4-2 I've said it all along 4-4-2 go against teams attack them should be attacking teams on our own pitch yeah so to quote John Sheridan 4-4 F in 2 e grazie mille fanzoni 
Some interesting views there from the fanzoni. It's supposed to be a family show, this Dave. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. But I can't control I can't control the content. I've just got fans have got the right to say what they want, but I will try next time not to get any expletives. Uh, it was funny though that he said that. I, just, I couldn't stop laughing. Like God, uh, that, that, give him a bit of positivity, give him a bit of a pat on the back and get him going. F knows, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> the chap from Chesterfield was uh, interesting. He had some interesting views there. That's my shot Yeah, I think he could have talked for a bit. I, you've got to look at where your starting point is, haven't you? I, I don't see where he sees that this team can go and beat any. Well, in football, anybody can eat, beat anybody. Of the, they all hit the races, don't they? The straps, but yeah, he. Um, I don't see the likes of Cooper and Roberts, and uh, you know, when if it's filling the team up with them sort of players, uh, Burgess. I don't, I don't see us beating anyone, uh, anybody good in this league. I mean, you look at you look at the top top of the division and, and Notts County, Wrexham, Chesterfield. Like the amount of points they've got on the board. You know, they're head and shoulders, aren't they, above uh, the majority of the, of the sides. I think, I don't think there's that much difference uh, in the in the majority of the teams, like, you know, from the playoffs down. But probably from the top six down, it's probably probably much of a muchness. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're going to learn a lot over the next few, over the next week. So we, we've got a massive couple of weeks, haven't we? It's actually probably one of the best weeks of the season. We've got those two local games away, then we've got... Wrexham away, thanks to the penalty shootout uh, victory. Uh, Porter, I think, presumably did his uh, hamstring or something, kicking the penalty, winning penalty. And what was it? One Tony, Tony, Tony Shoelace. Yeah, <laughs> he's injured again. So uh, Gardner's injured again. So that we've we seem to have some recurring. You know, we've got McGay, who's a long-term injury problem. Um, so you know, there's these kind of things that I think need ironing out. I mean, I would imagine that these players as well are on reasonable salaries, aren't they? Um, so I think that's something that needs looking at in terms of do we I'd need be to be carrying players like this, you know, or would we be better off, you know? I'd, I'd be looking in January to get rid, even Gardner. You can't mm. be you can't be putting, you know, you're planning all week, he's on the training pitch all week, and then 10, 20 minutes into the game, he's gone lame. You, you can't build your team around it. You know, the, the best teams are the ones that don't need to change the team every week. And you know, get that consistency. Players know where they're meant to be. Um, you know, hunting in packs, and you, you can't be building a team around a porter and a gardener. And like you just said, they're going to be top wages. A porter and a gardener, like that. Yeah, <laughs> they're just sort of like a, a hotel porter and a gardener. No, you can't. You're right as you well, know, some, of the, some of the teams in this division are doing, aren't they? They do. They probably do have hospital porters and gardeners playing for them, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I, and and certainly Chester City uh, the other night will have had will have had, you know a part time team you know what and we struggled didn't we over I didn't thankfully didn't watch the games I did seem to catch both second halves on the because uh, the games were were kicking off early obviously where I was and, and um, in the day and I miss I forgot they were on until the second half um, and it sounded like in both those second halves that like we really struggled and you could you could hear what was going to happen you could you you just knew that, that you just waiting for the goal to go in. Um, obviously, um, Fondop's late equaliser was a was a big thing, wasn't it? Because I think those are the things that give the, the players a, a, a lift, aren't they, and a belief. And, and going into the penalty shootout and, and obviously um, getting the result was great. Really tough draw, though, in the first round away at Rex a minute. But as, as an occasion, though, it, it should be good because I would imagine that we'll take a, a good few there, won't we? Well, not only that, it's on TV, on ITV, and I yeah. think we get 50 grand TV money mm -hmm. for that. I think he's mm -hmm. right, as well as the about measly 10 grand um, prize money for getting through the round. So that's six, 60 grand income to the football club that was not budgeted at the start. And, you know, yeah. you could do a lot with £60,000 at this level. So yeah. you know, it, it's, it's important. Uh, I'd be going back to Chester and I'd be getting a couple of their players because I think they'd do a job for us. I was impressed with one or two at Chester, to be fair. Yeah, you, got, you, went, you went to the away game, didn't you? Yeah, well, it was both games, yeah. The the, the, the second game was, um, <laughs> we did watch it thinking, if we drop into the Conference North, this is probably the level that is played at the Conference North. There was, you know, a, a pressure on the ball again. That there's, You've got players taking two, three touches to get the ball under control, and by then the pressure comes. But, you know, it's uh, it, it was in the air a lot, the ball as well. 
Um, but they had two good lads. They had, uh, I think, called Joe Lynch. He came through Cruise Academy. Um, but he's not really done much. I think he, he went to Morecambe after that, and then he's landed at Chester. Um, and he was he was brilliant. He was he was one who could get the ball down and drive forward, and, and he crossed for their first goal. Um, it, it was nice, nice ball in. Uh, and they had a, a lad called Weeks, Dylan Weeks. He, he, he was a decent player. So we're talking about where we're looking at players. You know, the, we can't get them for the league because they don't want to drop into non-league unless you give them a bit more money, obviously, and then they will. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, and I think that Nick Orton, a lot of talk about him at Fylde, he scored a shed load from midfield. There, there are players out there and there's no transfer deadline. So, you know, we tried to get that Scunthorpe lad and, and it didn't happen. I, I'm hoping there's wheels turning and looking at lads that can be signed now. And, and you just said there we've got 50 grand for being on the telly without kicking a ball now. So I guess the choice is, do you use that 50 grand to try and sign some players or do you pay a few contracts up? Because, because the point, well, you, point you're making a minute ago is 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 that we could all, you didn't need to be Hercule Poirot to work out that uh, Gardner, uh, Porter and McGahee probably wouldn't play more than <laughs> a handful yeah. of games apiece all season because they're, they're injury prone and towards the end or the end of their careers in, in, in more so in, in Porter's case than the others. But, um, yeah, if you go back to the, you go back to that Luton. You've already referenced Luton today. That Luton story that we did in in between the seasons when we interviewed them, and we were having this chat in a week in one of our, one of our WhatsApp groups. If you look at Luton, when Luton came out of the football league into non-league, the owners that got them, the owners that are still their owners now that got them into the playoffs to get try and get into the Premier League, and they look like they're going to do it again this season. They're certainly right up there anyway. Those owners came in eighteen months before their first season in non-league. So our new owners have come in literally at the point we've, we've, we've entered non-league. So they're 18 months behind in terms of the, their sort of preparation and, and, and getting everything, you know, clearing the decks and getting ready. And, and it took Luton five years and, and they finished second, third, fifth, seventh, and then first eventually. And in all of those four seasons, um, the season they finished seventh, they lost 15 games. So you say we've lost six, you know, there's there's a bit of room in there this, to try and be positive. You know, if mm. we put a run together, you could sneak in at the end. But any other position further up, they only lost five the year they won it and eight or nine in the other seasons. Well, we're already at six. So we're going to be, you know, best we could hope for is pushing the last place. I don't, I don't think we'll get there. Um, but it just shows you what it, what it takes. And, and the other part of that story is, what Luton, the, the chap who came on from Luton, he said that, that when they entered non-league, they signed, a, they had a load of football league players with loads of, um, uh, you know, hundreds of games behind them towards the end of their careers who didn't quite have what it takes. And they only really got going when they started to sign the best of the National League North and South players. And the one player that they picked up, which propelled them from seven to first in that season was Andre Gray, who of course ended up being a Premier League footballer. So, yeah, the point you're making there, I think, is right. It's gonna, and, and this is what I mean about about recruitment is it's gonna take some time. You know, I've seen a few people say, "Why don't you sign four or five players?" The, the four or five players aren't coming because they're not available to come. <laughs> mm. So we're gonna have to yeah. probably wait one, two, three standard transfer windows um, to to see things move. I think so. Yeah, no, no, not only that, Andy. We've, you know, we've the the the, the infrastructure's not been there, has it, for recruitment because. We all know we don't need to talk about who was in charge of recruitment for the last four years and, and how successful that's been. So, like, we are starting again, and the reputation of the football club is in in the process of being repaired. You know, like, we've, we've not been an attractive place to come, have we? It's, you know, I mean, imagine, imagine Scunthorpe trying to sign new players. I mean, they're even struggling even more than we are. You know, they're down in the relegation places. You know, that. There's there's clubs that that people want to go to and clubs that people don't want to go to. I think that like like you said, by next season we'll have a far better reputation um, than we do now, and and things will things will start moving in the right direction. And I, again, not I'm, there's no need to panic. Um, but like like Paddy pointed out on Twitter, that that those new steps that have been painted aren't going to score for us, are they? Uh, but what what a, what a I mean, I thought you know, God. Paddy, you're hard work, mate. But, um, you know, like, it's nice that those little things are being done because when people turn up at Boundary Park, rather than it look like it's about to fall down on your head, it looks 
shiny and new and it's more welcoming. I welcome those those little things. I think they're important. It's about time that those kind of things would do. It shows that people have got some respect for the for the building, for the for the how the club is presented. These things that yeah, they're not going to score goals for us, but <laughs> they might just make the impressions, first impressions and all that kind of stuff when people turn up at the football club to think about signing. It makes it off whether it's for commercial stuff or whatever. It's it's really important that the club is seen the right way, and for years now it hasn't been. Um, on on when I was listening to Carrot Crunch Radio yesterday, listening to the game, the the, the two guys on there said, um, you know, they're chatting away to themselves. Yeah, it's it's a big ground boundary park, isn't it? One says to the other, and you know, they obviously their home ground is Hewish Park, and you think to yourself, it is in this league, was <laughs> Knox County. You know, I guess Wrexham redeveloped theirs to, to a similar standard, even though they've got one stand that, that still is not open yet. But you know, there are big grounds at this level, you know, compared to Fleetwood and <laughs> Forest Green Rovers and all that rubbish in non in that's in that's in the league. We really do need to, to look a bit high. Also, if you look at the uh, attendances again, I obviously you three were there yesterday. Was there six thousand four hundred there yesterday? Did it look like that? Very no, I, I think it's the same. I think it's the old thing in it of including all the tickets that have been sold for the game. So I think I, I still think that all the season ticket old season ticket orders are included in that, regardless of whether they turn up. I, I still think it's that that's how the attendance is reported because I think that's pretty standard, isn't it, across football? I think rather yeah. than the actual is it people that are. I think it is. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. fairly standard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember United same. did it once. They did it for a cup game. Uh, I think they said there were seventy odd thousand there. Uh, talking years ago, they, they were one of the first to do it, and it clearly wasn't. There was about three thousand empty seats. I think once they did it, everyone cottoned on to say, "Oh well, we can start reporting." Well, I, I don't understand the point of doing it. What's the point of doing it? What, what What's the benefit of reporting the higher number? Well, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's to do with tax reasons and stuff like that. I mean, you've surely you go the other way for tax reasons, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> you well, you would, yeah. But I'm talking about more. doing things the right, doing things the right way, <laughs> as opposed to doing things the wrong way. But like, you know, the amount of tickets that you've sold for the game is obviously what the is is directly correlated to the revenue generated for the game, isn't it? I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't there think there were it... loads of times under Alan Hardy's day, weren't there, where, where, where you get the attendance <laughs> right out of Boundary Park. I'd say 11,289. You look around and go, bollocks, there's more than that, yeah? <laughs> yeah. used to invite people in, though, didn't you? You see, you could come and watch the turnstile clicking that. And people used to go in and see it. <laughs> Just to go back to the Wrexham, uh, you know, the funds we're getting from the FA Cup, we do split the gate as well in the FA mm. Cup. Teams split the gate half and half. So if we can get a good crowd there, that's another. Uh, Bit of lump sum of you know revenue that we can get as well. So I think I think it will be a good crowd. I think we'll take a few, won't we? I don't know the what the pricing is for it, but twelve quid. Is it? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to go anyway. Can't wait. You're going to get me all hobby horses there, Dave. Do you know? Do you know that they used to split the gate receipts half and half at all league games once? Did they? Stopped in the 1970s, apparently. When uh, when the big clubs started moaning that the little clubs were getting more of their money than than, than, <laughs> than the way around, so that so the big clubs well, they, are, um, they, they, they've they, sorted they, that out, haven't they? <laughs> well, well, just the irony of this is what really gets my gone about it is is they is they got it changed so that the big clubs could keep most of their money, um, so basically it went from half and half to just keep your own gate receipts, your home team pizza gate receipts for league games, so the little clubs therefore just kept the smaller part. Yet in the modern day under under COVID. When iFollow was kicking off, the big clubs wanted the revenue that their fans had bought for the away games. Mm. Funny that. Just isn't wrong, it? isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Don't get me started. But being on holiday, I actually I turned off. I removed all the social media apps off my phone. I didn't delete them, but they were just weren't on the home screen and they were out of the way. And I just stayed off it because before we went away, we had a bit of a. F- bit of hassle on Mick Ross me and you were chatting a, a bit weren't we about what we brad yeah. and what was going on and the hashtag and all and after eventually it just pisses me off after a while this the hashtag and you know like all you get so obsessed with it all and get drawn into it it's like when I go away this this week I'm just gonna I'm not I'm not I don't give a shit what's going on at Latics unless it's burning down or something drastic I'm not gonna get on there so um that was fantastic and I'm definitely going to start 
spending less time on it because it's 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 not healthy. But I read a book as well while I was away with my eyes, like as opposed to an audio book. Now I've got my reading glasses. It wasn't such a, an ordeal, but um, <laughs> like, and it was brilliant. It was called Fit and Proper People. Um, I'll send it to you one day because uh, yeah. uh, really. Make sure you send it, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> he, he needs to read that. I might launch it at him if I ever see him like from my car window. If I see him in in Grodden, um, yeah. but <laughs> and it was about there was a project I don't know if you heard about it in about 2018 called Owner FC. Uh, this guy called Stuart Harvey was selling this app, um, and and what they were trying to do is they were trying to buy a football club like um sort of like collectively online project so like it started off at 99 pound for this share it turned out it was just you can imagine right this it, it was just a just a scam basically uh, but there was never any charges for fraud brought against him or anything like that he ended up going to get this guy he ended up going up and beating up the journalist that started reporting about it on Twitter. He was a right rummer. He was called Stuart Harvey from uh, Wigan, actually. Um, but it's 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 a really good book because it kind of like tells the story of this on an FC app and the, just the the whole sort of shambles of it. But then it interweaves like um, just football ownership in general and just the state of football. Really, really, I highly recommend it. It's on Amazon called Fit and Proper People. Um, so I read that from cover to cover while I was away, and and that was really good. I also went to an MLS match as well. Went to the playoff game between Austin FC and uh, Real Se- Real Salt Lake, um, and um, <laughs> Real 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 Salt Lake. Salt Lake yeah, um, and it, it, it was it was a brilliant it was a brilliant day. The pricing of the tickets and it was at the, at the minute the exchange rate is like a pound for a dollar in it. Pint of beer in there was thirteen ninety nine, <laughs> right? So it was fourteen pound a pint, right? But it was eighty seven degrees, so I had to because I needed I needed to be refreshed. Um, but like, totally different experience, and 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 I just think that like, you know, what we want to do is we we want to imp- improve the experience for the fan, but we don't want to get all Americanized with stuff, do we? And you can see at the top end of the game in the Premier League, that's the way it's going, can't you? And 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 the experience... The, what was interesting at Austin was behind the goal, their version of the Atletico's, because Austin's in Texas, it's close to Mexico, and there's a lot of Mexicans at the game, and the atmosphere was fantastic. They had a brilliant rhythm section that just did not stop, and the horn section, and the atmosphere was, was fantastic. But it was... Most of the songs were sung in Spanish, and it was... It was the Mexicans, basically, that were creating the atmosphere. The rest of the stadium was just middle America, do you know what I mean, that were going there for the experience, spending an absolute fortune on it. And it, and it just goes to show that without the sort of like that kind of the, the young people and the working class people, without that energy, it, it just turns into a stale event. Um so yeah, so I mean, I've 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 had a good week in sort of like taking all that kind of stuff in, but it's just interesting in terms of like what we want to achieve with the football club going forward, getting that balance right. And I think as as you go up the divisions and and the cost of everything spirals, it's tempting to try and milk, you know, like because America's shamelessly capitalist, isn't it? So they're just kind of like they've got no shame in just rinsing you. <laughs> for your money while you're in there but you know it's like any other it's just like any other commercial experience uh in america but that's not what football's about in this country is it? it's not about rinsing the working man of his or it shouldn't be about rinsing the the working people of of, of this country of any given opportunity um so i just it was an interesting take um in in perspective well we, we, we talked last week about uh, now is probably the right time for us to arrange those sort of um, you know, interview conversations with a combination of Rothwells and Royals soon. And we can maybe, you know, in a nice relaxed fashion, go into a bit of the detail about what the ideal future plans might be for the club in terms of stadium redevelopment, um, fan involvement in that. How do we increase and retain support? How do we get more young people from Oldham to come and support Latics instead of leaking to United and City um, and all that sort of stuff? Because, you know, the like, like we said, you, I remember you saying last season, you're sick of talking about the potential of Oldham Athletic. Let's realise it. Well, now we're on the journey where we can. It'd be good to to have a conversation about some of these these things, wouldn't it? Definitely, well, yeah. But it's, it's getting that balance right, isn't it? Between getting think, the fans' money 
but doing it in the right way. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, it's half time when you see, like, I know it's like the AC tyres challenge, getting people on the pitch, you know, to score a goal through the the tyre and getting the, you know, the local teams playing footy on the pitch. You know what I mean? Special mention to Chaddy. Yeah. Special mention to Chaddy. He did it yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. Did he? I missed it, but me me nephew said he got it through. But it's just like, you know, when I was like 14, 15, it was like those little bits when I was watching the, you know, it, it was just like, Going back in time a little bit, seeing this community spirit being put put back onto the pitch at half time, it's just great to see. You know, I've even seen Chaddy having a bit of a laugh and running around. You know what I mean? We haven't seen that for a, a few years. You know, it's just just to get the get the positive, good feeling back. Yeah, I know, I know it's little marginal things every week, but it it's coming. And you know, you got to take your hat off to the Rothwells so for doing it. You know, in a in a measured approach, taking the time, and just hopefully. A lot of fans are saying we want to see, you know, stuff on the pitch happening, and it will come, as everyone says, because they've got the infrastructure in the backroom staff, and then they're going to get the players. It's, it's just baby steps, isn't it? And I think a lot of fans need to remember that. Well, I was reading this. Brown's reading that book. It was, you know, talking about the different types of owners that come in, and like you were saying, Andy, about Luton and and some of the other examples that you, you know, that we talked about. Very rarely do the ones that come in and throw money at it ever succeed. It's because it's it, it, it's it's not it's not sustainable, um, and and that's the key word, isn't it? Is sustainability, um, and and that's a, a word that is going to be going to be hearing more and more and more. of not just financially, but in terms of you know the planet, climate change, you know, managing our resources better. Sustainability isn't a dirty word. It's a, it's 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 a sensible approach to 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 life. You know, using your resources properly. Um, and managing things properly and having a, a, a good, short, medium and long-term vision of things is really, really important. Um, you don't want to have to get to the point where, or oh, in order to compete in the championship or look, fans are having being charged £10 a pint and £10 a pie and programmes are £10 and the tickets fit 60 quid. No, but we don't want that. That's not the way that we... Instead of, instead of charging everything you know instead of us having to foot the bill for everything and prices of everything going up the price of stuff of football needs to come down from the top down and you know we we need to be putting more pressure on the football uh, authorities to to do that and, and there needs to be it needs to be a much fairer uh, system than than it is um, so there's a lot of work to do and i think i think we need to you know collectively i think if, if fans can be if we can get a good relationship with our board and we can work together and we can try and you know be a club that that is doing things the right way um, and still being successful, then I think that's what we need. We need more clubs that are doing that um, rather than just this kind of like unsustainable approach. Uh, like you me- and mentioned with, with Preston the other week, you know, the amount of money that they're having to throw at it, it just, just to try and compete. The parachute payments and all that kind of stuff, it's just all weighted towards keeping the Premier League as it is. So, you know, we, there was talk of the Super League again this week, wasn't there, that, you know, it's, um, was it the guy who said that that you know that you're open to talking with the Premier League clubs again? All this stuff needs knocking on the head. There's mm. a few people at top level of football that need knocking on the head, and all. Um, it's, it, it, it's it really annoys me because it German just puts mod- pressure on everybody else lower down the pyramid, doesn't it? If you look at the German model, it works so well. You know, like an interesting fact. I was reading, I'm reading a book about German football and you know the 51% rule, you know, of ownership. When Dortmund a few years ago were going out of business, do you know which team funded their bailout? Bayern Munich funded their bailout because you know after the Champions League, Klopp left, he got into real financial irregularities because Bayern Munich then give them a loan, interest free, to get them back on back in the black because he didn't want to lose another club within the um, within you know within the within the pyramid of German football. So it just goes to show that they've got it right. It didn't matter about the biggest rival or whatever, it was about keeping German football sustainable so then they could compete for the World Cup. And that's why they voted and the fans voted for Dortmund's, I think it was like a 300 million euro loan, interest-free. And I think they're still paying part of that off still. And wow. it's just, that's how it should be, you know what I mean? And when the likes of Berry Macclesfield and all these clubs go by the wayside, United or City could have easily put their hand in the pocket to save them clubs, you know, without a second thought, but they didn't because it's all about their profits and their their future rather than the whole pyramid. And that's how it should be should be viewed in my in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, speaking of competition, 
as we were. Ross, I'm sure you're very excited to listen back to your uh, Latics Mind performance, so we won't keep you waiting any longer, my friend. Here you go. After his promotion from commercial manager to the boardroom, what was Alan Hardy's job title? Chief Executive. Correct. Who became Latics manager in June 2015? Is it that Steve Robinson? Wrong. Darren Kelly. Who scored Latics equaliser at Bradford in April 2006? Hello. Uh, not Kenny Cooper, was it? It was Luigi Glombard. Yeah. Which Loney scored the winner at Gillingham in November 2013? After Latics lost at home to Everton in the Littlewoods Cup in November 1988, Latics were unbeaten in the League Cup at Boundary Park until September 1995. Who ended it? Which powerful striker did Latics sign on loan in October 2014? Do you think that, sorry? Which powerful striker did Latic sign on loan in October 2014? Marco Ricketts. Jabo Ibere. Who scored the ultimately decisive last-minute goals for Leeds in both playoff legs in 1987? Pass. Who scored a late winner against Stoke in May 1999 taking Latic's survival fight to the final day. Stuart Tom. Wrong, it was Paul Beavers. So, you got off to a brilliant start, and I was thinking, go on, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, unfortunately, <laughs> you got one right, and you had one, two, three passes. The three passes, for those that are listening, which loan he scored the winner at Gillingham in November 2013. It was Michael Petrasso, who we had on loan from QPR. Canadian lad, yeah. Yeah, the Canadian lad, yeah. After Latics lost at home to Everton in November 88 in the Littlewoods Cup, we were unbeaten at home until 1995 when Tranmere ended the run. And who scored the last-minute goals for Leeds in both player finals in 1987? It was Keith Edwards, who is up there and hated just as much as Mark Hughes for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted to out of that, but I couldn't even get that. So. Well, you did say before we recorded, I, I'm, I'm aiming for two. So you were you, you were one shot. It was a good effort. Yeah. <laughs> it was. But thanks, anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> I know that that manager's question. I hit the post for that manager's question. I should have got Darren Kelly. Yeah, I, I I I got one and all. I got the Alan Hardy one, and then I wrote Stephen <laughs> down, and I was like, I couldn't remember his second name. Not the same as you, as I was thinking it might have been him. But uh, yeah, and you you got five, did you, Dave? There, you yeah, on? I got Chief Executive Darren Kelly, Luigi Glombard. I got Tranmere. I got Paul Beavers. I thought it was Glyn Snowden, and I thought it was Keen Brian who scored. But obviously, that's yeah. And I, I didn't get number six, the one after the Tranmere one. I didn't get it. So. I think I'm just. Stuart Tom, I'm like, I think he got sent off, Stuart Tom. I don't think he scored anything, he got sent off. You'd have asked me that, I'd have got that. <laughs> he got sent off again. <laughs> there were a few like that. But you, you forget half of these random lawnies, these nobodies, especially oh. during the corner. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's it. I mean, some of these names, I'm like, I don't even recognise some of these names that come out on this quiz. I'm like, I don't remember them at all. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know. The best is four, and I didn't want to get zero. So I never was expecting to be anything brilliant on this. Uh, but, yeah, I got one. <laughs> Paddy rules again. Paddy rules mm. again. Ooh. Ooh. He, must, 
But I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll boo him. Yeah. Well, don't worry. If he wins, we'll have it. We've got. We've been. We've been. Um, we've been given um, some money from uh, PowerLink components to buy uh, the trophy for the uh, for the winner. So we can we we can make sure that Paddy gets booed when uh, when he gets handed the trophy, can't we? So are we joking, Paddy, or am I? Well, I think we're we're not going to have like a uh, like like a playoff final. So like uh, at the end of the, the end of this in in between the two seasons in the summer, we'll have like a, a proper final where maybe the top four in the leaderboard. We need to put the leaderboard out. The top four go into the final and play off for the for the trophy. You know what Matt was just saying about Americanisms in football? That's exactly <laughs> what you're doing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. Well, you see, maybe we'll have a tie. Maybe there'll be a tie at the top of the table. We'll have to do that. So, well, well I don't know. We haven't. My only son Bin Man. Bin Man, I'll do it. Bin Man, I'll come on. He'll do it. Bin Man, yeah, Bin Man. That's he fancies he fancies taking taking party on. And so we'll do I. See, we'll have to see, won't we? We'll have to see. Uh, we haven't written the rules in advance, so they are open to to change. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to write them write something out. Just uh, but yeah, but fair play to Paddy. He's, he's he's clearing away the top of the league at the minute, so there's there's nothing for him to worry about at this stage. Um, but yeah, uh, right. Well, it's good to can be I, back. Anyway, can I say one more thing. The phone is going to be on this Wednesday if anyone's listening to the pod. So, because we're not doing it this Thursday, so just if you're catching us on YouTube, join. Yeah, because we've got our AGM um, uh, an election for OASF on Thursday, so uh, that's online. It's all online. Memberships online. Voting's online. Um, so. Get along to that if you we're gonna think we're broadcasting it. I've, I like I say I've been out of the loop, me. I've I don't really know what's going on, but the lads have been looking after it all, and I'll I'll plug back into normal life from today, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so we've got that. We've got uh Altrincham Tuesday, we've got the phone in Wednesday. Hopefully it'll be a good one, and we'll all be in good spirits after Tuesday, and then we've got uh, the AGM on Thursday, Halifax Saturday. Uh, Wrexham, when no, sorry, uh, is it Boreham Wood then Tuesday? Away no, it's been postponed. Oh, was it? Yeah, it got postponed. It got postponed like literally last week and moved into December. I've seen a couple of people complaining about sort of the late postponement of it. Um, I mean, I guess it's irritating if you've booked trains down to down to London or something. Um, uh, but I, I don't know the reasons behind it. I've also seen a few people complaining that there's not coaches put on for away games as well. I don't know whether that's the case. Well, it used to be a requirement, didn't it? That, that was mm. something the football... Mind you, we're not in the football league anymore, are we? So. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, that old chestnut. <laughs> yeah, um, hopefully it won't, we won't be saying it for too many seasons, but we certainly will for this and probably next, I think. We're all in agreement that, that oh, you're shaking your head there, Dave. You think we're going to get promoted again now? Have you? Have you after the uh, win yesterday? No, no, you're back on no, the promotion, I, boss. I think, I think that I think next season will be this will be will be the positive season finally. But you never know about this season. Could well, you say, does anyone know about this Gateshead game? Whether it's going to get moved? Because obviously, Rex is on Sunday, Gateshead on Tuesday. It might be getting moved to Wednesday, but they're just waiting for Gate because Gate said uh, and now saying that they don't want to play it on the Wednesday. But uh, it's still up in the air at the moment. I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they'd rather play it after we'd played on the Sunday. Uh, they're in the relegation places, aren't they? They're going to be looking for any advantage they can get. So I'm sure they would prefer to play it, to play it on the on the Tuesday. But I don't know. Gates at home. We should, we should be able to play them any day of the week, shouldn't we? Huh? <laughs> Beat them. Huh? We'll see. Didn't we play them in the cup not that long ago? Yeah, yeah we Beat him 2 1, didn't we? I think, yeah, yeah. Don't ask me who scored. One of them was Felipe Murray, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us, lads. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. The Boundary Park Alert System is hosted and produced weekly by Matt Dean, Andy Halliwell and Dave Bradley for Q-Pod Productions. 
A huge thank you goes to all those people who already subscribed to the podcast. We appreciate you all and thank you for helping us out. If you'd like to help us out, please visit oafcpodcast.co.uk and click support or find the link in the show notes. It's only $2.99 a month and we'll draw a subscriber at random every month to win an autumn athletic shirt of your choice. Please follow and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at OAFC Podcast and subscribe to youtube.com forward slash the Boundary Park Alert System where you will find the Latix football phoning with myself and Dave Bradley live every Wednesday from 8.30 till 9.30pm. We'd like to thank Arlene Finnegan for writing our excellent weekly blog, which we encourage you to read on our website every Saturday morning. Thanks also go to Paul Prentergast for providing us with all the Latix Mind questions. The title music for the show is by Manchester DJ and producer Starion. And for more information, visit bandcamp.com forward slash red laser records. You can help change the game by listening to us on the Fan Hub app along with all major podcast platforms. But please like, subscribe and review the pod to help us climb the rankings and to gain more listeners. OASF.co.uk and pushtheboundary.co.uk are where you'll find out more information about our official FSA affiliated support groups and continue to raise money for the 1895 fund. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to be a guest or contribute to the show, we'd love to hear from you. 